The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And today we're welcoming back Professor Stephen Shore, who teaches at Adelphi University, one of the most terrific autistic self-advocates in all the land. Stephen, welcome back. It's my pleasure to be back. This is the third time I've been here and third time is a charm. One of the big stress factors for many is disclosure, disclosing I am autistic or I have Asperger's or I have ADHD. But let's talk about autism. What tips can you give us all about disclosure? Well, there's two ways to look at disclosure. One is, how do we tell an autistic person that they're autistic in a way that's meaningful to them, that emphasizes abilities and strengths, but at the same time remains realistic uh, about the very real challenges that autism can bring us. So that's one type of disclosure. The other type of disclosure is uh, when you have to tell somebody else that you're autistic because there's a need for better mutual understanding or perhaps an accommodation of some sort is needed. So let's take a look at both of those. Uh, the first, telling another person that they're autistic. I'll use an example of a child I started giving music lessons to at an age about five and a half with, and he has Asperger's syndrome. His parents refused to use the word autism in the house because they just knew with enough intensive activity We'd early interventionize the Asperger syndrome right out of them. Well, we fast forward to the teenage years and the kids as Aspergerish as ever. And his parents asked me if I would do the deed. And I said, well, it's a dirty job and John Wayne ain't available. So I guess I gotta do it. So we started the next lesson by talking about his strengths in music, graphic design, in computers, and the challenges that in penmanship and physical education. So that's the first of the fourth step uh, of this four-step approach that I use: recognizing strengths and challenges. The second step is that you start lining them up on a piece of paper: strengths on one side, challenges on another. And let's see what we can do to find a strength to accommodate or work around a challenge. So with this student, uh, like me, he was a penmanship disaster area, but he was pretty good on the computer. So maybe he should just write all his papers using the computer. And he thought that was a pretty good idea. Now you might notice that I don't use the word weakness, but I use challenge because weakness is too static of a word and it has too many negative connotations. But with a challenge, that suggests that this is something you can work through, around, over, accommodate for, or even make a considered decision to just ignore the challenge and go on to do something else. So for example, I know that I'm pretty low functioning in a noisy bar. I also realized that I could wear ear protection Maybe I could take some magnesium. I heard that that can help with hearing sensitivities. I could learn more about nonverbal communication. 
or I can just decide that I can lead a fulfilling and productive life without going into these establishments. So that's what I choose. Then there's the third step, which I call non-judgmental comparison. We look at other people's characteristics and the idea is that different people have different characteristics. Nobody's better than anybody else. And we use our strengths to lead fulfilling and productive lives. Then I may throw in a couple of role models. Many people think Bill Gates is autistic and he seemed to do okay with his computer business. Then before presenting the label, which is step four, I talk about scientists and doctors who study people's characteristics. And it happens to be that your set of characteristics line up with what is known as Asperger's syndrome. So we were 20 minutes into it. It was a very fast disclosure. He said, enough of this. Can we get back to the lesson? So we went on to the piano. A few weeks later, I asked his father, how did your son do with the disclosure? And dad said, well, my son loves having Asperger's syndrome. So he got it. And now he understands the way he is. And he knows where his challenges are. And he can now effectively advocate for himself as needed because he can talk about what those challenges are. So uh, as we think about disclosing to another person, there's a big step process for that as well. Most of us disclose, and with disclosure, there's going to be a certain amount of advocacy as well. Otherwise, why would you bother to tell somebody? So you're advocating for someone. So with advocacy comes disclosure, with disclosure comes advocacy. And most people advocate and disclose on their own without even thinking about it, it just comes naturally. You know, suppose you're lost and you ask someone for directions, you get this whole verbal barrage of information, you're not gonna remember it all. And so you ask for a moment of time so that you can get something to take it down. You do take it down and then you say, okay, thank you very much. I wouldn't remember that all and you go along your merry way. So what you did is you engaged in this three-step process automatically of one, recognizing the challenge, which is too much information. Number two, asking for some sort of accommodation, a bit of time to get out your iPad or whatever you're gonna take this information down on. And then finally, uh, you give a reason why. I'm not gonna remember it all. So let's put that into a more autistic realm. And uh, let us say I am being shown an open office or, uh, by my supervisor. And this is where I'm gonna work. It's gonna be a great place. It's pretty quiet for an open office, so there won't be any auditory issues. Uh, so as I look about the room, I notice that it's lit with recessed lighting fixtures hanging from the ceiling, or they're embedded in the ceiling. Well, one thing that autism means to me is that recessed lighting fixtures and I don't get along. Being under one of those recessed lighting fixtures, for me, is probably like looking into a spotlight for most other people. So how do I address that? Well, many of you may think that this hat's a fashion statement, and certainly it's good to support your home team with the big H there uh, whenever possible. 
Uh, but in reality, it's an accommodation. And here it is, the bill. So that's great. So that's how I address that issue. So back to the employment situation being shown in an office where I'm going to work that's lit with recessed lighting fixtures. So I look about after recognizing this is going to be challenging to me. And I engage in step two, which is the advocacy effort. Uh, gee, I wonder if it's okay if I wear a hat. The reason why I need a hat is the disclosure is because these lights hurt my eyes, I must have very sensitive eyes. And if I can wear a hat while I work, that will increase my productivity for your office immeasurably. So you throw something in that's gonna benefit the employer as well. So that was a very fast disclosure. It just took a sentence or two. It was simple. And it was something that the supervisor could easily provide which is permission to wear the hat. It doesn't even have to provide the hat. So that's an example of self-advocacy and then disclosure, well, I have sensitive eyes, which is, can be considered as a partial disclosure because I've just focused on the aspect of autism that's affecting the situation right now, as opposed to going full boat and talking about autism and maybe it being a distraction for the whole situation. What is the single biggest tip that you would give a high school senior who's about to enter college and that individual has a brain that's a little bit different, might be on the spectrum? Uh, well, I would, uh, first I would tell them that it gets better in college. So if they can just hang on. Uh, when they go to college, uh, all the bullies will fall away and they'll find people, they'll find their own crowd. Second thing I would do is to focus on developing a greater understanding of how autism affects them in school and be able to advocate for themselves for necessary accommodations. Well, that second part gets very hard for individuals, doesn't it? To be able to self-identify and then ask for the accommodation. Right. Uh, however, at the university level, it's quite a structured process. And it begins with you going to the Office of Student Disability, sometimes it's called Office of Student Support or Office of Success or Access Office, whatever it is, you find that office. And that's where you start the process. What do you feel is one of the biggest misconceptions the general public has about autism? I would say that not wanting to socially interact is way up there. Because from what I know of autistic people I know, most of them want to interact with others, most want to socialize. But I think what has happened is they've had so many bad experiences attempting to socialize in grade school that they've just given up. And any desire has been beaten out of us because most of the time attempting to socially interact is gonna result in bullying and other bad things. How can people find out more about what you do, Stephen? Well, uh, one way is to 
go to my website, which is www.drstephenshore.com. I also have a number of videos on YouTube, Facebook, and also my LinkedIn account. What's one piece of advice you would have for somebody who's about to disclose for the first time? When you're about to disclose for the first time, remember that your job is to educate the other person on how to better understand you. Well, Stephen, it's been a pleasure to have you here. Good luck with all your teaching at Adelphi and thanks for Thank being you. a leader as a self-advocate in teaching autism, about autism, and how to help all of us. Thank you very much, Stephen Shore. Well, thank you. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org.